This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com. Joined, as always, by the managing editor of Horns247, Taylor Estes. Taylor. We are wrapping up the Texas regular season. Texas, uh, as we talked about in our our game recap podcast, finished the regular season with a 38-27 win at home over Baylor with a dominant fourth quarter that included 22 straight running plays to, to end the game and put B. John Robinson at... Uh, over 1,500 yards rushing for the season. He is now a Doak Walker Award finalist, along with Michigan's Blake Corum and Illinois' Chase Brown. We had a chance to talk to Steve Sarkeesian on Monday, and he hit on all kinds of points uh, that we will get to. And we are waiting for uh, the Texas Longhorns Bowl fate, which looks like it's going to be the Alamo Bowl. Uh, If TCU beats K-State, it will almost certainly be the Alamo Bowl because uh, TCU would go to the college football playoff. K-State would go to the Sugar Bowl and Texas would be as the third place team in the Alamo Bowl. The only way it could change is if K-State beats TCU And the Cotton Bowl passes on TCU as an at-large invitee to the New Year's Six uh, to face Tulane. Uh, If that happened, then uh, TCU would fall to the Alamo and Texas would go to the Cheez-It Bowl against an ACC team, most likely either Clemson, Florida State, or get this, North Carolina. Mac Brown reunion there. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I mean, there's definitely a lot of, you know, things to work with. It would be really shocking to me, Chip, if if TCU were to lose the Big 12 championship game, if the Cotton Bowl passed on TCU, um, just, I mean, the proximity itself would be a desirable one for them being, you know, in Fort Worth. And the Cotton Bowl is, is at Jerry World, right? AT&T Stadium, yep. I believe. Yeah, so, I mean, that would be kind of, I know that TCU, the brand doesn't, it's not, you know, it's a private school, a smaller school. So the brand isn't um, of that, of say like a Texas, the um, just for the pure alumni base, I would say, but the proximity, it would be shocking to me, honestly, if they passed, I would say on, um, on TC, especially a one loss TCU team, that would just, 
you know, I, I feel like all ties or all signs are pointing to San Antonio for Texas right now. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, with the season that TCU has had and uh, the way that, um, you know, the Dallas Fort Worth area has embraced that team, I'd be, be stunned yeah. if, if the Cotton Bowl passed on a one loss TCU uh, for the, for the matchup with Tulane. And and that's assuming also that TCU falls out of the college football playoff four too. Right. If they lost, because there's still a one loss team at that point, their loss would be in to the big 12 champion, you know, that they already beat in the season. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Let's be honest. The college football playoff has screwed over TCU in the past, the first year of the college football playoff. Um, I, I think it would be a shame in my opinion, if they did that again, uh, and you know, obviously if they win the big 12, it shouldn't be an issue. Um, since that was the reason they gave that why in what was it? 20, what was the first year of it? 2013, 2014, 2014. Yeah. When, when Ohio state jumped, um, into the, into the college football playoff as the four seed and end up winning it all. Yeah. Crazy. Tom Herman's Ohio state offense there (laughs) got the job done, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I still think, you know, they, they can't pass on an undefeated TCU team, but they could on a one loss, and that would be pretty bad. But. So if Texas ends up in the Alamo Bowl, they the Longhorns would most likely face Utah, Washington, or Oregon State. So you'll you'll be watching the, the Pac-12 championship game between USC and Utah to see how that all plays out. USC, Cam rising. Yeah, USC could end up in the college football playoff. They could end up in the Rose Bowl. Uh, if USC ends up in the college football playoff, Washington most likely would be the Rose Bowl um, team, and that would leave Utah or Oregon or Oregon State as Texas's opponent in the Alamo Bowl. So um, we'll see how it all plays out. But, yeah, most likely the Alamo Bowl. Yeah. All right. We mentioned Bijan Robinson, one of three finalists for the Doak Walker Award. And Taylor, we've been we've been talking him up uh, in the in the Doak Walker Award circles and possibly the Heisman Trophy circles. Uh, after last weekend's games, Bijan Robinson might end up getting some votes to go to New York. We'll we'll see. I think Caleb Williams at USC is probably the odds-on favorite now. Uh, and we'll see how he does against Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. But uh, Bijan Robinson, if you take his rushing yards uh, and his receiving yards, he is um, at 1,580, and that leads the nation in terms of rushing and receiving. Yeah. So – and his 20 combined touchdowns are number two nationally. So I think you can make a strong argument, and especially the way he's finished the season, over 400, over 400 yards rushing in the last two games um, with, um, you know, uh, what, six touchdowns? So yeah. this is a guy who's just – Talk about putting an exclamation point on the end of the season. Uh, Bijan Robinson. Yeah, and Steve Sarkeesian, I think he he said it best, honestly, when we talked to him on Monday. He said, 
you know, it, it is unfortunate for Bijan that he wasn't on a team with a better record. And Sark said straight up, and I, I think it was, I thought it was really a real comment by him. And it kind of was a, a poor indictment of him as a coach, I would say this season a little bit, but he was being real and said, if Bijan, you know, if we were 10 and two or, you know, playing for a conference title or even potentially on the outskirts of a college football playoff bid or something along those lines, then there would be no question that Bijan Robinson would get the invite to New York for the Heisman ceremony. And it kind of goes back to what, what we've talked about a little bit, you know, unfortunately for guys like Bijan Robinson, who, do everything right, both on and off the field. He is pretty much exemplifies what the Heisman is supposed to be. You know, a good character guy, one of the best, arguably the best, um, you know, player in college football. I think the best running back in college football, his stats show it too. And it's like, but the Heisman unfortunately has turned into oftentimes more than not the best player on the best team or the best quarterback a lot of times too. And so it's unfortunate for Bijan that Texas couldn't win some of those, you know, those close games, the, whether it was Texas tech or Oklahoma state, I know Texas tech may not be a good example since he did fumble the ball, which ended the game there. But um, I mean, you got, you got to have, you got to feel for him a little bit. And I, I thought Sark him saying that, you know, it kind of was a little bit of an indictment on him as a coach, but still, the fact that he's able to recognize that, you know, and, and I would hope, you know, Chip, you are a voter. Obviously you can't express what you're going to vote or anything like that. Um, but I, I would hope that voters look more at his body of work than the team he was on. Cause that's not what the Heisman is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be the best player on the best team or the best quarterback in the country or anything like that. Um, there are awards for that. And so, and, and a team award is a national title um, that it should not be a Heisman. Uh, so I, I, you know, I hope that voters do look at his whole body of work and everything that he is as a person too, because I would say if you're the Heisman trust, you want Bijan Robinson as a representative, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And I think the way that Bijan has finished the season has really helped him again, mm -hmm. over 400 yards rushing in the last two games. You look at, uh, unfortunately for Blake Corum of, of Michigan, he wasn't able to, to play against Ohio state and Devin Edwards, the kid who replaced him ran for over 200 yards against Ohio state. And then you have Chase Brown of Illinois, who's had a really good season, but he has uh, 80 more carries than Bijan Robinson. So yes, he's, you know, got over 1600 yards rushing. Um, Bijan's, you know, just over 1500 yards. Well, 1580, yeah. um, you know, with, but Chase Brown with 80 more carries. And if people look closely at the fact that Bijan Robinson has 314 receiving yards, with a 16 and a half yard per catch average, which yeah. is phenomenal for a running back. I think you, you line them up and, and you say, okay, Bijan Robinson's the best running back in college football. And that should be enough to get him into the Heisman, you know, finalist voting, but it's, it's been a weird year. Uh, a lot of Heisman finalists, um, or at least, you know, guys getting talked about a lot going into the final month of the season, like Hendon Hooker at Tennessee, uh, Drake May at North Carolina have struggled down the stretch. And, um, you know, 
Heisman voters like to feel like they're they're putting a bow on something. And yeah. and Bijan Robinson has finished really strong. So we'll see. It's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and for the Doak Walker award, it would, in my opinion, it would be a shame and a sham, honestly, if he doesn't at least win that award. I was tagged in this tweet from um, it's a CFB Film Room today, and this should you know kind of line up. It's a breakdown of yards per attempt, yards per attempt after contact, yards per attempt between the tackles, yards per attempt when contacted behind the line of scrimmage broken tackles per 20 carries and Bijan Robinson crushes all of those categories. He leads literally every single category over um, Brown and Corum. So those are, those are important things to acknowledge too. When you are looking at the Doak Walker award um, it, it again, like it, I feel like if he doesn't win that, then whoever makes that call should lose the, the opportunity to make that call in the future. <laughs> like, let's just be real about it. <laughs> well, um, we mentioned that Steve Sarkeesian met, uh, with the media on Monday and had a lot of interesting things to say, recapping the season. He was asked, you know, obviously the, the headline coming out was he was asked about Xavier worthy who led the big 12 and touchdown receptions for a second straight year as a sophomore. He's got 21 touchdown catches in two years. He had 12 last year as a freshman, all American nine this year. Uh, his numbers are down slightly. He, he had 53 catches this year. He had 62 last year. He had 981 yards uh, receiving last year and uh, just over 600 this year. He Sarkeesian was asked if Xavier Worthy is happy. And, and Steve Sarkeesian, you know, talked about how, look, you know, he said, well, one thing I know about Xavier is the guy's highly competitive. And from the moment he arrived on our campus, he came to work and he came to work to earn an opportunity to play, he came to work to become a starter, he came to work to be the best receiver he could be, whether that was in our conference or in the country. And, and so, you know, Taylor, to me, uh, this sounded like a, a coach who's trying to convince Xavier Worthy that Texas is still the best place for him. Um, there's been a lot of speculation that maybe, uh, you know, players at USC are trying to, and, you know, encourage him to go play with Caleb players. Williams next year. Players, right? Players. <laughs> not, not coaches. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like Jordan Addison from Pitt, the Blitnikoff <laughs> award winner, um, headed out to USC this year and is on a team that might end up in the college football playoff. But, um, you know, Steve Sarkeesian sounded like a coach who's, trying to convince Xavier Worthy that Texas is still the best place for him. He said, we're going to work on the passing game. He said that was one of the top priorities. It was the top priority, actually, for Steve Sarkeesian heading into the bowl game and into next season. Uh, obviously, the passing game has floundered here down the stretch for Texas. And, and you know, Xavier Worthy had nine touchdown catches. I don't think he had a single touchdown catch in the last uh three games yeah I, three I games but it um you know it's 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 interesting because Xavier Worthy is a you know you talk to players on the team he he's kind of quiet to himself he doesn't go out a lot he plays a lot of Fortnite but he's always one of the first ones to practice he works as 
his butt off, takes a lot of pride in his route running and getting open. And um, there's been visible frustration. Obviously, we've talked about it here on the flagship podcast that um, when he doesn't get the ball, you know, on target, on on stride, that uh, there are times where he's, um, you know, not looked uh, like, like he- he's willing to make the extra effort to go track the errant pass. So uh, this is a tricky one because obviously Xavier Worthy is a huge uh, weapon. He's a guy that defenses have to account for. I'm sure he's frustrated that defenses were doubling him pretty much all year because Texas didn't have another um, outside receiver to, to draw attention away from him. That was supposed to be Isaiah Nayer, who's, you know, recovering from his torn ACL, but won't be back until next year. So uh, Steve Sarkeesian is having to re-recruit Xavier Worthy, it sounds like to me. Yeah, it does. And and one thing, you know, from everything that we have heard, Xavier Worthy does have a really good relationship with wide receivers coach Brennan Marion. The two of them are, are really close. Um, you know, relationships do matter. And this is where, you know, the the transfer portal has basically made it to where it's very easy for players to leave and very difficult for coaches to keep guys. You know, it's like they have to re-recruit their team pretty much every single year. The thing I'm curious, though, with Xavier Worthy, Chip, he already technically transferred, correct? Does his – or how does that work with his – like, I, I'm like, does he have to sit out a year if he transfers? I don't know if he got a waiver because, okay. um, I, as I recall, there was some – technicality that he was able to um to get a waiver from the nca so it wouldn't count technically as his one-time transfer rule um but i'm sure that's something that'll get looked at closely Uh, he did sign with michigan Uh, initially he never you know he never really got into that program, I think he pretty much arrived on campus and decided he wanted to leave. So um, this, we'll have to check on that waiver to see if that sort of exempts him from uh, the one-time transfer rule. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that could be something that could play in Texas favor a little bit. If, if that is the case, I wasn't sure exactly how that worked with him. Cause I know that he did. I mean, he made it to campus at Michigan so it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's a weird situation, but you know, I think, I think that Sark intentionally talked a lot about the um, focus being on improving the passing game um, on Monday. I think that was an intentional move probably by him. Cause he did say he was going to be meeting with players this week, doing kind of the, the postseason interview process that he has done. Um, there are already some players that are announcing their intention to enter the transfer portal. I think that probably was kind of what happened last year where those postseason interviews happen and Sark basically tells them we don't see a spot for you a little bit, you know, I mean, that's just the way that it goes. But, um, you know, Troy O'Meary did say today on Twitter that he intends to enter the transfer portal. There's a few guys that are tweeting this out right now. I mean, our phones, if you can hear them in the background, are blowing up because our staff text literally is blowing up right now talking about the transfer portal. But, um, you know, it's going to be really interesting and fascinating to see if Texas is able to keep Xavier Worthy around. Um, And, you know, I think that relationships do matter. I think, you know, Xavier Worthy has made some NIL money um, and we'll see how much, how far that does 
go. Uh, but when Sark was talking about improving the, the passing game, I, I, I kind of took that as him being not like a cry for help or anything like that, but like kind of an intentional move. So Xavier Worthy can read those headlines that, you know, that is a number one um, focus for Sark going into the offseason to make that better. You know, he did talk about um, I'm not really sure how much I buy into this, but, you know, the the there will be a competition for the quarterback position um, moving forward. But he mainly said it like there's always we're always going to have a competitive program. And if, if players don't have a problem with that, then Texas is not the place for them. Um, but I do think I do think the passing game is going to improve, honestly, Chip. I mean, and and I know that Xavier Worthy obviously had some frustrations, um, I think, with Quinn Ewers and just not getting the ball as much. Uh, and I, I understand that. He certainly that. targeted a lot. He just yeah. didn't, he <laughs> didn't, didn't get the ball. Connect uh, very well, yeah. <laughs> but but that's something that happens when you have a freshman quarterback. I mean, you're gonna. We talked about it all off season. There was going to be growing pains at quarterback. I mean, it, it was just how it was going to be. Whether whether it was Quinn Ewers or Hudson Carr, that was before you know. But when when Quinn Ewers was named the starter, we had said like he's a freshman. He hasn't played football in two years. Essentially, I mean, this is not. It's it, you know he. I know he was a very highly touted recruit. That was like. That, that doesn't happen by accident. It's because his ceiling is really high. And I think that he had the had to learn on the fly a little bit. But I think those learning, those growing pains will lead to progress in this offseason. So I don't doubt that, you know, the passing game is going to be far better. And also because I think the offensive line is going to be another year improved as well. And so they're going to kind of grow together a little bit. But that will help Xavier Worthy too. And I, I think that, um, you know, you would hope for his sake that he sees it. Um, cause if he doesn't, then, you know, somebody else is going to be the deep ball threat next year. And they're probably going to have a pretty good highlight reel. Um, when Quinn Ewers with another year in this offense. Yeah. I mean, these, you know, talented players like, like Xavier worthy and others, I mean, Jordan Addison, they, they want to, get the best possible film uh, together so that they can get drafted as, as high as possible. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian, when he recruited Xavier Worthy, compared him um, to Devontae Smith, and Devontae Smith was a, a top half of the first round draft pick who's killing it with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, very similar in stature, wiry, but lightning fast, and I think Xavier Worthy looks at his time at in college as his farm system for the NFL, which I don't blame him. I mean, I'll never forget J.K. Dobbins telling Charlie Strong when Charlie Strong said, you know, when you go up to visit Ohio State in January, you'll be you'll be coming to Texas. And J.K. told him, no, I'm I need to get ready to play in Green Bay and Chicago and Buffalo and you know, I'm, I'm going to get ready for the NFL and sure enough, JK Dobbins now with the, with the Baltimore Ravens. So, you know, the truly talented special players know uh, where they're going and want to have the best possible. It's not so much the allegiance to the school as it is the preparation for the NFL, which it's not what fans want to hear, but that's, that's it's where, you know, that's where it is. It is yeah. what it is. And we'll see if Sarkeesian can convince uh, Xavier Worthy that 
the, that same Quinn Ewers who struggled, completed only 50% of his passes the last uh, four games of the season um, is, is a guy who can light it up for him next year. Yeah. And, and I would be shocked. Honestly, I'll say that I will be shocked. And I, I will, if I'm wrong, I will eat my words. I have no problem doing that. I would be shocked if it's not substantially improved. Like I yeah. just, we, we've seen flashes from Quinn Ewers. Like, let, yes, the last few games have been not the, he's not going to put them on his highlight reel. <laughs> he is going wanting to get to the NFL. That's probably a given, but you know, he has the, the ability to connect on the deep ball. Obviously Xavier Worthy is a deep ball threat type of receiver. Um, the more comfortable he, another year in the offense, the more comfortable he gets with his receivers, you know, gets those reps in with them, the better. And I, I just, I will be absolutely shocked if somehow we're talking this time next year about how Quinn Ewers is a bust. Cause I think yeah. that's probably what we would be saying essentially, sadly is, you know, okay. He's had two full years in this offense. He's not getting better. It was you know, poor rankings or ratings, I would say, by the recruiting analyst. But I just, I don't believe that's going to be the case. I think he has a lot of physical tools that coaches would absolutely eat up, like to having a quarterback that does have those physical tools. Because you can, you can coach mistakes. You can't coach, you know, talent. And I think he has a very natural raw, it's raw talent, but he is a very high ceiling. He's very talented. And if he's a coachable guy and, and, you know, he's got to, he's got to mature in watching film. I mean, those are things that you don't, you don't really um, get just immediately. I mean, we, we had Michael Griffin on the flagship interview podcast on Monday. If you did not listen to that, definitely tune in to that um, after you're done listening to today's show, because Michael Griffin, you know, he always keeps it real, but he talked about how, you know, even at Ohio state, when Quinn Ewers was there, it's not like he has had a guy to mold the film study after, you know, CJ Stroud, obviously a very talented quarterback. However, he was young and he was learning how to prepare as a starting quarterback too. And so, you know, when Casey Thompson, one thing when, um, you know, going back to last season, he talked about how he prepares like a pro. Everyone talked that, you know, he's always in the film room. He's always doing that. But he said he learned that from Sam Ellinger. He watched Sam Ellinger do it year after year. Quinn Ewers has not had, the the kind of role model, I guess you would say, um, of a veteran quarterback on how to prepare like a pro. So that's going to come with time. Sam Ellinger, obviously, that came with time with him too. And so um, I, I just think that we're going to be having a far different conversation about Quinn Ewers next year. And there's just things he's got to work on in the offseason. But I think he will. I, I think he loves football. You know, I don't think it's a matter of a guy that just is really good and has been forced to play football his whole life. I don't think that's the case. I think he loves football. And I think he loves being at the University of Texas, and that can pay huge dividends, honestly. If, if the happiness is there, happiness with the university and the love of the game, I mean, those are traits that you want in your starting quarterback. And I just think, you know, unfortunately, fans probably had a higher expectation. I think we all maybe had a little bit higher expectation for Quinn Ewers, but I don't think it's time to throw in the towel on him either at all. Well, it's going to be interesting because um, obviously Hudson Card is a guy who uh, we've been talking about it all all year on the on the flagship podcast, especially since the Oklahoma State game when he didn't get a chance to get into that game when Ewers was uh, 19 of 49 passing. Um, and, you know, the sources I've talked to have indicated that Card will transfer that leaves Quinn Ewers as the old, you know, as the old man in the room mm -hmm. um, for Malik Murphy, for 
Arch Manning and and puts Texas in a little bit of a tough spot. I mean, I think of Oklahoma State this year. They had Spencer Sanders. They had Shane Illingworth. Illingworth uh, transferred, went to Nevada. Oklahoma State didn't have a clear backup, and it cost them dearly when Spencer Sanders got hurt in the second half of the season. Oklahoma State lost games they never would have lost uh, normally if they had either Spencer Sanders available or an experienced backup quarterback. So uh, if Card is is gone, then who's pushing yours other than Arch Manning, who we expect to redshirt? Uh, that's been sort of the under underlying um, theme in, involving his recruitment. And, and so, you know, Quinn Ewers is going to have to step up because, um, you know, Texas and Malik Murphy. I mean, if, if Sark can hang on to Malik Murphy, then um, that's a guy who needs to take another step too. And we'll see if, if that quarterback room can, can uh, prosper because Hudson card um, took a big step this year. Uh, he got his chance to to start last year, struggled a little bit, um, but was greatly improved. His game this year against West Virginia was outstanding. 21 to 27 passing, uh, four touchdown passes in a really his best game as a Longhorn. So uh, this is an interesting time and um, the portal is is heating up. We we called it portal season with Steve Sarkeesian on Monday and and you're seeing a lot of guys indicating on social media they're going to get in the transfer portal. Uh, you know, DJ Harris, Prince Dorba, JD Coffey uh, at safety, Andre Carrick, uh, the offensive lineman who uh, was sort of the, uh, you know, tight end sixth offensive lineman for Texas this year. He's indicated he's, he's going to get in the transfer portal. So, uh, a lot of things, you know, the roster is is changing as we speak, Taylor. Yeah, and Chip, not to cut you off, this is kind of breaking news right now. Pete Thamel just reported that Hudson Card plans to enter the transfer portal. Um, and he cited a source saying that his priorities are winning and finding a place that fits his skill set to continue to develop. No surprise here. I mean, we've been, I, I think the writing was on the wall, you know, um, especially in that Oklahoma State game, as you mentioned. So, that is being reported. Sorry, I was not trying to like not listen or anything, but <laughs> I have to send yeah, it to well, our staff. But yeah, he's a Longhorn through and through. His degree is important to him. He's graduating in December, um, and that that gives him his degree from Texas, and he will have at least two seasons of eligibility um, right. moving forward. So that that's going to be a, a big time quarterback land for someone, um, and again leaves the Longhorns thin at the quarterback position in terms of experience. Does Steve Sarkeesian go try to bring in a one-year guy? Um, we'll see because yeah. Steve Sarkeesian wasn't ready to commit to what positions he would be looking for in the portal because he said, I don't know <laughs> what yeah. our roster is going to look like here um, when the portaling is is declared by – uh, the Longhorns, after they meet with Sarkeesian, this is how it played out last year. Players go in and meet with them. Sarkeesian tries to be honest with them and says, okay, here's where you are on the 
depth chart and here are the guys ahead of you. And if they're younger guys ahead of you, it's pretty much him saying, if you really think you deserve playing time, then you might need to, to go look somewhere else. So we're, that is happening. Literally, yeah. as we Literally. speak. Yeah, Literally. I just said a stat in our staff. We have a group text with our whole staff, and I was like, "Yeah, Chip and I deciding to record a little earlier than normal today because we normally rec- record like later Tuesday afternoon. Uh, we started recording around one o'clock on Tuesday. I was like, not the best idea by yesterday because our phones are blowing up. Um, obviously, the, there's a, a number of guys that have announced their intentions. So, just to recap, at least for now, Pete Thamel reporting Hudson Card. Plan center the transfer portal. It looks like Jameer Johnson is planning on entering the portal. Yeah, entering the transfer portal too. Sorry, I'm just trying to read all of these texts that we've gotten in the last few minutes. Um, and and that, that Andre Carrick is planning to enter the transfer portal. JD Coffee is planning to in, enter the transfer portal. Um, uh, Trell or Trello, <laughs> Troy O'Meary. I said T. I saw T.O. and oh, and it's it's transfer portal season. Obviously, it's uh, burning my brain up too. But uh, Troy O'Meary also. Yeah, Troy O'Meary, said. Prince Dorba, um, and so it's uh, DJ Harris, the edge rusher, uh, also announcing his intention to to get into the transfer portal. Um, Taylor, when Steve Sarkeesian was talking yesterday, he, he did say that he, um, you know, wishes he would have found a way to run the ball better in the second halves of the Texas tech and Oklahoma state games. And I, it's, it's painful to hear him say that about the Oklahoma state game simply because Bijan Robinson had two fourth quarter drives that he, you know, had carries averaging six and a half yards and 11 yards per carry. And those two drives ended with pass attempts on second and third down. Um, One ending in a punt, the other in a 46 yard missed field goal. If he would have just kept handing the ball to Bijan and Roshan um, on those drives, I feel certain the outcome would have been similar to what we saw in the Baylor game. Um, so that's tough. And I give Steve Sarkeesian credit for addressing it, saying it, uh, that's a tough one because you win that Oklahoma state game. You're in the big 12 title game. Yeah. We're Uh, previewing that game, not previewing the transfer portal right (laughs) right Right. now. (laughs) Right. You'd be talking about, uh, the rematch with TCU instead of, uh, Hudson card getting ready to, to transfer. Yeah. Um, And we'd probably be, uh, preparing for a trip to New Orleans too, because it's hard to beat the same team twice in a season. I think if Texas got a rematch with TCU, they would have won that game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Steve Sarkeesian also, you know, talking about uh, the pleasant surprises this season, the, the kicking game. He, he talked about Bert Auburn, Will Stone on kickoffs, uh, Daniel Trejo on, you know, on the punting chores and, also the offensive line uh, as pleasant surprises. I don't think there's any doubt that the future is so bright for uh, Kelvin Banks and even for Cole Hudson, who has a sprained ankle, but should be back for the bowl game and Hayden Connor and Jake majors. I mean, Jake majors has been identified as a future leader, a leader who will take the mantle possibly from Roshan Johnson 
and Bijan Robinson, and um, and that's that's good stuff because you've got a talented group of younger offensive linemen that include DJ Campbell, Cam Williams, um, you know Malik Agbo, uh, and Nato Yumizola. Yeah. <laughs> um, I still have not. I still have not said his last name correctly, and I'm kind of at the point now, Chip, where I'm like, until I hear him saying it, I'm just going to call him Nato. <laughs> like yeah, that. That's who he is. Yeah. <laughs> I so, need to hear it from his mouth. <laughs> and you've got commitments. You know, you've got some talented offensive line commitments coming in in the 2023 class. Um, he did say, you know, he understands the reality of of some guys not playing in bowl games. I.e. Bijan Robinson, yeah, um, and you know possibly Roshan Johnson, possibly Jordan Whittington. We'll have to see. I mean, Sarkeesian said, "Listen, I'm gonna put in a pitch to some of these guys if I think it would benefit them to come back." Uh, some of the seniors who walked on on uh, last Friday. So we'll see. I, I Jordan Whittington is the one that I. I just feel like, man, he could use another season, um, yeah. a full healthy season and a quarterback with another year of experience who can find him on the field. And and so we'll see. We'll see if Sarkeesian can make a pitch to Jordan Whittington to to convince him to, to come back. And uh, maybe you can get Whittington worthy and Isaiah Nair to see the light. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Cause, um, when Sark said that I kind of, in my head, I was thinking like, he, he's talking about Bijan doesn't need to play in the bowl game. Like, yeah. and, and he understands it. Like, you know, he said that the risk, um, doesn't for some guys doesn't outweigh the reward, but there are some guys that could use another game film for the NFL to see, you know, and talking about some of the seniors, as you had mentioned, I agree with you about Jordan Whittington. I think another season of, film would be good. I, it's kind of hard because, you know, he's had so many injuries that I could kind of see why he would be, you know, kind of chomping at the bit a little bit to get into the NFL. Cause he has had one healthy season, but his numbers don't support him foregoing remaining eligibility. In my opinion, I think that, um, it would be probably in his best interest to have two healthy seasons because the NFL are going to, is going to look at that as well. Like he's an injury risk and He's only had one and one healthy season. I mean, it's it's a tough, you know, decision. I think that he has to make. I I kind of see both sides, but I think it would be in his best interest to return for another year, get another full healthy season of game film, so that any of the injury questions he had earlier in his career may be wiped away by another healthy season. Because um, the NFL's gonna NFL teams are gonna look at that and probably not draft him. I mean, I, I would, I would not be surprised if Jordan Whittington enters the NFL draft. If he doesn't get drafted, he, you know, undrafted free agent type of thing, um, which, you know, guys can make a career out of that. But I do think that he, I would be, I would be, I mean, I'm curious for your take chip. Do you think he gets drafted if he goes? No. Yeah. No, me neither. I mean, 45 catches, 608 yards, one touchdown. Um, you know, he's a good downfield blocker. His film shows he's tough and he has film from the 2021 season when he made all those third down catches, um, you know, during the the first part of the season before he uh, injured his collarbone against OU. Uh, but it, um, 
there's not enough there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll see, we'll see what the, what the rationale is. Hopefully we'll get to talk to Jordan, you know, heading into the bowl game, but, um, yeah, so lots going on, um, uh, Taylor. And, and we have to mention, um, the men's basketball team is number two in the nation and we'll be taking on number seven Creighton on Thursday, a top 10 showdown. This Creighton team is ridiculous. They have four players shooting better than 40% from three point range. They have five players averaging double figures in scoring, including their seven foot one center. So this will be a great test of, uh, the Longhorns, um, you know, new top five, uh, AP status and Texas volleyball opens the NCAA tournament as the number one overall seed on Thursday night as well. You've got Texas basketball at six, women's volleyball at eight. So uh, Texas fans, get on your horse from the Moody Center to Gregory Gym um, <laughs> for that. Taylor, you ready for some love it or leave it? I am. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break, but stay tuned. We have um, more football talk coming up here. We'll be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Chip, you ready? I'm ready. All right. My first one for you is love it or leave it. You agree with Sark that the most pleasant surprises of the regular season for Texas were the kicking game and the offensive line. Uh, no, I'm going to leave this and say the defense. Um, I mean, what a turnaround for this Texas defense uh, going from giving up 31 points per game to uh, right around 20 and um, the emergence of guys like Jalen Ford, Jade Barron, uh, the play of that defensive line. Uh, that that to me was easily the most pleasant surprise uh, of, of the 2022 season. And, uh, you know, after being one of the biggest disappointments of the 2021 season. So um, I'm going to leave that Taylor. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave it and I'm going to agree with you about the defense. I would say that the emergence of the defensive line probably was one of the most pleasant surprises. Cause I mean, this was a defense line. We were joking, you know, I think it was in spring camp or in spring uh, football there was a, it was either that or fall camp. I can't remember, but there was a media availability where we were waiting around for interviews to start. And there was a media member that goes, all right, I'm going to quiz you guys on this. Who led the team in sacks last season? And I was the only one. I was like, wasn't it 
like it took us all like, kind of a while and then i was like wasn't it ben davis and he's like yep <laughs> it's like ben davis didn't even play in every game and he had two and a half sacks so i think that the defensive line was probably the biggest improvement because I mean, Michael Griffin talked about this too. You know, when you have get the guys up front are doing their jobs, it allows guys like Jalen Ford and DeMarvin Overshone and even the corners and safeties to make plays and play more freely and play more instinctively um, because they're not, you know, having to worry about the the offense even reaching really the second line of the defense at that point. And they can go and add the pressure to it. So, you know, he credited the defensive line for the emergence of Jalen Ford. And I, when he said that, I was like, he's spot on. That's exactly the case. I remember when Puna Ford, um, you know, was the uh, in his senior, his final season at Texas in 2017, you know, Malik Jefferson won the big 12 defensive player of the year award. And I asked Malik, I was like, you know, I know you won this award, but how crucial was Puna Ford? And he was like, I should share the award with Puna Ford. Honestly, he's like, because he's the reason why I won that. And, you know, when you get that pressure up front, it makes the whole defense so much better. It makes the guys be able to play instinctively. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would I would leave this. I would say the overall defense, predominantly the, the defensive line. Bo Davis, he deserves every dollar of that million dollar contract that he got this offseason. All right. Number two. Second one is love it or leave it. Sorry if you hear my dog barking in the background. Uh, on a scale of one to 10, your level of concern about the Texas passing game right now is at a nine. Uh, wow. Okay, I'll leave this and say eight and a half. <laughs> um, you know, again, it's tough. I mean, they the Quinn Ewer's last five games uh 78 of 156 passing exactly 50 percent completion rate five touchdowns four interceptions eight sacks um and again it'll get better it should get better but it is a concern it's a big concern right now um because you may or may not have you probably won't have Bijan robinson and roshan johnson uh, for the bowl game jonathan brooks come on down uh, keelan robinson come on down uh, but your your running game has has been such a massive part of your offense, and it should be with guys like Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. But the passing game, if you have to rely on it to win, uh, that's a huge concern. So I, I'll leave it, you know, because nine is like really extreme. But eight and a half. How about you, Taylor? I'm gonna leave it too, but I I would say. I have faith that Steve Sarkeesian and Quinn Ewers can get this to, to improve so much more. I, if, if we're talking about like level of concern going into 2023, I would for sure leave it. I wouldn't, I think I would say eight and a half personally, I would disagree with you on that. I would say it would be less than that. Cause I think you're going to see a sub substantial jump from year one to year two of Quinn Ewers in this offense, getting more comfortable. And also the fact that the offensive line is going to be one year more mature as well. I mean, I think, I think that's going to people, I, I, I get why there is like a kind of like, you know, raise the red flag alarms, sound the alarms right now about the Texas passing game. I just, you know, think about how much different Sam Ellinger was from year one to year two. Um, you, you can go down the list more times than not these, these players that have a really high ceiling, they're going to make a substantial leap from their first year playing in college football to their second year. So I'm going to leave it. I would say mine would be probably more around like a six 
And again, if I'm if I'm way off and we're talking about this again next year, I'll eat my words and I I will go come back and look at listen to this podcast and say I was wrong, I was wrong. Um, I just I don't see it being as dire of a situation. I think that it seems at this point. Yeah. All right. Number three. Final one, Chip. You picked Kansas State to win the Big Twelve before the season. So you have the Wildcats knocking off TCU on Saturday. Love it or leave it. You know what? I do. I do. I think Kansas State with Will Howard at quarterback, they they came through. Um, Kansas tried to rally, but uh, ended up uh, Kansas State 47, KU 27. I think Kansas State puts it together and figures out a way uh, to gum it up for TCU. K-State will be your Big 12 champion. So I'm loving this. Taylor, how about you? Gosh, I, I kind of want to leave it just because I don't like agreeing with you on all of them, but it's hard for a team to beat the same team twice in the season. It, it just like the stat, history shows it is not an easy uh, thing to accomplish. I, I would love to see TCU win the Big 12 and go to the um, you know, the college football playoff, especially after they got screwed out of it. I think their first year of the college football playoff, unfortunately, you know, it's, it's just such a good story. I would say what happened with TCU this year under a first year head coach, just everything. Um, the fact that they're in this position, but all that to say, it's probably an even better story of what's going on at K-State this year. And so I, I'm going to, I'm going to have to love this and say that K-State does beat TCU to win the Big 12. All right. There it is, folks. We got to get back to work. We got kids jumping in yeah. the portal. <laughs> yes. Um, thanks <laughs> so much. We're losing our mind here. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned. If, if you ever needed uh, a reason to get over to horns247.com as we sign off, there it is. Uh, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Flagship Podcast. For Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. We'll see you over at horns247.com. Uh, until then, stay safe and keep the faith. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.